From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speed vary and not guaranteed. Stories and content in Weird Darkness can be disturbing for some listeners and is intended for mature audiences only. Parental discretion is strongly advised. The planchette on the Ouija board then moved to yes. I told my mom she was moving it, and she said she was not. My mother asked, who are you? The planchette then went to each letter and spelled Alberts. We did not know anyone by the name of Alberts, first or last name. Mom then asked, are you a good spirit? The planchette moved to yes, and then no. Mom asked, how did you die? The planchette did not move from the middle of the board. I was getting scared at that point, so Mom said, since you're not going to tell us, we're going to say goodbye now. The planchette slid to no. Security threats are everywhere, but with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Mom said, we have to go. The planchette then went to goodbye. We took our fingers off the planchette, and it was sitting in the middle of the board. Suddenly, the planchette flew off the board. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Welcome, weirdos. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is a special archive episode of Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale for me to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com. And be sure to subscribe if you've not done so already so you don't miss a single episode. And if you already consider yourself an official weirdo, please help me get the word out by sharing a link to this episode in your social media and thanks in advance for doing so. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness. This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by the paranormal audiobook Your Haunted Lives Revisited by G. Michael Vasey. This collection of mystifying, scary, real-life ghost stories are true tales of horrifying encounters with the supernatural and paranormal. They include visits from terrifying entities, haunted houses, strange and scary poltergeists, attempted possession, Ouija board nightmares, evil demonic forces, haunted cemeteries, haunted places, and much, much more. They will chill you to the bone. These are supplemented with true stories of the editor's own strange and scary experiences. This terrific, terrifying collection of true spooky stories of the paranormal will keep you looking over your shoulder and wide awake. Your Haunted Lives Revisited by G. Michael Vasey Narrated by Weird Darkness host Darren Marlar Get the audiobook free by signing up for a 30-day free trial of Audible and also hear a free sample of the audiobook on the audiobooks page at WeirdDarkness.com. 
So I've been sleeping on a MyPillow for a few weeks now, and I've been telling you that my sleep has improved drastically, so what are you waiting for? When are you going to jump on board and start experiencing the kind of restorative sleep you need in your life? Are you waiting for a better offer? Well, your wait's over, because if you go to MyPillow.com right now, you can take advantage of the MyPillow 4-pack offer. It's two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows and half off. Just go to MyPillow.com, click the 4-pack special, and then use my promo code WEIRD. I live in West Virginia. This is where my experience took place. I'm now over 50 years old, but I was just over 10 when this happened. My mother bought me a Ouija board, thinking it was a game. One night, while my dad was at work, we got out the board, lit a candle, and put it in the middle of the table. We placed our fingers lightly on the planchette. Mom asked if there was anyone there that wanted to speak to us. I was giggling, and she asked again. The planchette then moved to yes. I told Mom she was moving it, and she said she was not. My mother asked, who are you? The planchette then went to each letter and spelled Alberts. We did not know anyone by the name of Alberts, first or last name. Mom then asked, are you a good spirit? The planchette moved to yes, and then no. Mom asked, how did you die? The planchette did not move from the middle of the board. I was getting scared at that point. So Mom said, since you're not going to tell us, we're going to say goodbye now. The planchette slid to no. Mom said, we have to go. The planchette then went to goodbye. We took our fingers off the planchette, and it was sitting in the middle of the board. The planchette flew off the board, and the round plastic piece where the middle pointer cracked. We put it away, tried to forget about it. We were both a little creeped out by the board. Where we lived, the floor was close to the ground, and my room was at the end of the house. And that night, there was a growling sound coming up through the floor in the corner of my room. I went and got Mom. She came in and it stopped. The weird thing is that my mother smoked at the time. That night her cigarettes smelled like sulfur. She said they tasted like sulfur as well. My dad could not smell it or taste it. I could smell the sulfur strong. My mother could too. He thought we were playing a joke on him. Three nights later, the growling started up in the corner of my room. I again went and got my mother. Dad was at home and Mommy told me to get the flashlight and go out and look for anything that could be making noise. While the growling was happening, Dad came in and said that nothing was under there. My mom proceeded to scream at it and tell it to stop. It got louder and sounded more like a low, deep growl, like it was going to come through the floor after my mom. It finally stopped that night. The next morning, my mother felt ill. We took her temperature. It was over 100. Dad took her to the hospital, and they were so worried that they admitted her. She was diagnosed as having an infection. She was in there for a week, 
The whole time she was in the hospital, my room and the whole house was quiet. My mother and I truly believed the spirit of Alberts died from having an infection in his blood and was never treated for it and died from it. That is my first and last experience with a Ouija board, and I would never use one again. I was three years old when we moved into my childhood home. Prior to my family moving there, an old lady lived in that house. Before that, it was owned by the people who ran one of the local churches. That old church was destroyed by a fire. Also surrounding the house are several graveyards, one directly across the road and another on the other side of our large driveway. The one that really creeped me out was the private overgrown one that was connected to our backyard by a small wooded area. The stones were very old, crumbling, and some knocked over. I experienced the most activity upstairs in my bedroom and my parents' room. When I was about four, my older sister moved into her own room. I remember after that trying to sleep in my room at night but kept waking up to what sounded like people working in the kitchen. I didn't stop to consider the fact that everyone was upstairs in bed. One night it got so annoying I climbed in bed with my parents where I couldn't hear the sounds from downstairs. We talked for a little bit, then we fell asleep. I was almost asleep when I felt a strange presence, like someone was right by the bed. The air seemed to be thicker and I thought I was being watched. I told my mom this and that I was scared. She held on to me, telling me that there was nothing there, and after that I fell right to sleep. Years later, I was talking to my mom about that night, and she admitted to feeling something weird too. She stayed awake, holding me while she prayed. I'm thankful that she didn't share that she was afraid too at the time. When I was 11, my family moved to a larger home that was built just before the Civil War. It was in a small Missouri town. At school, the kids and teachers would say how the house was haunted and ask how we could stand living in it. We would often hear the footsteps on the stairs and the sound of humming. My mom said that she came into the kitchen one morning and caught a glimpse of a very large lady who was dressed like a housekeeper. She was cleaning the floor and humming. My dad was told that there had been slaves on the property and had found the remnants of slave houses. I had a bicycle wreck and had a concussion. My mom was sitting up with me holding a washcloth on my forehead and praying with her eyes closed when she felt a large, warm hand cover hers. She looked up, and there was the slave lady she had seen before. She smiled at mom and made a motion to her that meant shoo. For some reason, mom wasn't afraid and felt that it would be okay with her, so she went to bed. The next morning, I was sore and blurry-eyed, but otherwise fine. I would love to go back and visit that house again, 
I hope whoever lives there now has had such a happy experience of their time there. It really was where history came alive. This happened a few hours ago, still scared to go downstairs. I will preface this by saying I have been hearing faint voices and seeing things out of the corner of my eye, although I kind of assumed this was from lack of sleep. I'm a student with a lot of homework. I can't afford the luxury of sleep. Nothing else has happened in our house. My brother, 10, we'll call him Mark, and I were home alone for a few hours late at night. Basically, our house has two downstairs bathrooms about 20 feet away from each other. I ran downstairs to use the one in my parents' room, and when I came out, Mark was standing outside the other bathroom door down the dark hallway. I ask what he's doing, and he looks confused. That's when I notice the bathroom door is closed and the light's on. A moment passes and Mark runs into my arms, freaking out. He drags me upstairs and I ask him, what's going on? I was just talking to you, Mark yells. Apparently, the few minutes I was in the bathroom, Mark was having a full-on conversation with me in the other bathroom. Like they talked about the laundry basket and if I wanted to play video games. Usually, I wouldn't believe him, but I know when he's lying and this kid was freaked the hell out, crying and everything. Plus, I kind of heard Mark mumbling from across the hall when I was in the bathroom, but just assumed he was just playing or whatever. What really scares me is he said it was me talking to him, like my voice conversing with him. He won't go downstairs now, and I tried to make light of it and joke around, but really, I'm scared too. What was that? Nothing like that has happened the whole three years we've lived here. Does anyone have any answers? I experienced any number of bizarre happenings when I was in college. One was the poltergeist in my best friend's apartment. Strange stuff had started happening there early in the spring semester of my second year. Doors would lock by themselves. Strange scraping and banging sounds came from the walls. A sense of presence and being watched settled over things. Objects would disappear and be found elsewhere. Even my friend's skeptical roommate started looking behind him in the hallways. To put a name to these shenanigans, we started calling the ghost, or whatever, Fred. Fred seemed generally benign, more of a trickster than anything, but there was one memorable time when Fred apparently had enough of skeptics. A group had gathered at my friend's apartment, five guys not including myself as I remember. I was sitting on the floor, most were on a couch facing a wall, my friend was in a chair opposite me. We began talking about Fred. One of the company loudly proclaimed that they didn't believe in ghosts. At that point, a mighty slam came from the wall opposite us, as if someone or something had hit the wall beyond with incredible strength. 
The wall itself was a divider between the kitchen and the living area. No one was over there, and there were no planes overhead to produce sonic booms or minor temblers below to account for it. As the slam startled us, a picture hanging on the wall opposite the guy who'd made the proclamation flew off the wall with enough force to slide across the carpet and stop at the guy's feet. He became a believer. Some of the rest of us applauded. Way to go, Fred! My friend eventually moved from there to a new apartment in the same complex. Fred did not follow. I still remember it as one of the most amazing experiences of this type I've had. The multiple witnesses were like icing on the cake. I know that apartment complex is still there, and I often wonder, 20 years later now, if Fred is still knocking around. This happened in 1996, when I was 10. It isn't very dramatic, but it was quite scary enough for me. I was at a convent boarding school in the United Kingdom. The school was shaped like a Z with the fourth-year classroom at the bottom right at ground level with the third-year classroom between it and the rest of the school. A long corridor ran from the fourth-year classroom and past the third. It had a window at the top but above my height so I could actually see into the classroom. At weekends, the children could watch television after dinner and before bed. Towards the end of dinner, two girls would be sent to the third-year classroom to put chairs out, as this was where the only television set was. One winter evening, my friend Sherry and I were chosen for this job. I finished dinner before her and set off for the classroom. I got into the third-year classroom, and before I could put the lights on, I heard something from the fourth-year room I had just passed. It sounded like shuffling and desks being nudged and chairs moved. I couldn't see into the room, but the sounds were moving towards the door of the room. It seemed that whatever made the noise would get to the door before I could run past it back into the main part of the school. At that time of day, every member of the tiny school was in the kitchen or dining room. No one would be in that classroom in the dark. As I stood there, Sherry came down the corridor. The noises stopped and I switched the light on in the third-year room. I felt I had almost been caught by something, but characteristically for me, I didn't say anything about it. Later that winter, a couple of fourth-year girls had permission to go into their classroom after dark to fetch something. They didn't bother with the lights. In the room, they saw a small figure that laughed at them. It was not anyone from the school, and they ran out screaming. After this, no one was allowed into that part of the school at night. I'm just glad I never saw whatever it was. Imagine checking into your hotel room, only to experience poltergeist activity. No? Well, the Holiday Inn Express in Leeds City Center apparently has a poltergeist, at least according to this TripAdvisor reviewer. This hotel is great value for the money 
and is ideally situated in the center of Leeds and no more than a 20-minute walk to most places that you'll want to visit. The bar area is fine and the breakfast cooked and the basic fare that you would expect. The rooms are of ample size and the bed was very comfortable. Service from the hotel team was great throughout. Two things let it down for us, and hence not five stars. There were only decaf coffee sachets in the room and after a heavy night we needed lots of caffeine the next day. The room must be haunted. At about 5.30 a.m. all the lights in the room came on and the TV switched itself on and was blaring with sound. Upon checking out, we asked if this was some form of freaky wake-up system for heavy sleepers, but were assured that it was not and that they had never heard of this before. I've put it down to the fact that my other half has more than her share of gypsy blood. Hope she doesn't read this. However, be warned, those of you brave enough to book this room. Hotel Globo in Formigena, Italy also seems suspect, according to this reviewer. Nice place, very clean and quite hospitable, excluding maybe the welcome at breakfast. It seemed an army discipline style rather than a relaxation one. For the rest, we had a very good time there, enjoying also a small garden in front of the property and nice suggestions for dinner provided by the hotel staff. The only weird thing was a kind of paranormal activity in our room we came across for two evenings. Upon return to the room in the afternoon, we found the TV mysteriously switched on to the soap operas channel, twice in two days, and nobody could explain the reason for that strange fact. When it happened the second time, we did not even get scared. Nevertheless, if you plan the Ferrari factory and museum visit traveling by car, you for sure will find the location very convenient. And finally, how about this couple's scary experience at the Green Dragon in Hereford, England? I was a bit nervous staying at the hotel as we were aware that there had been paranormal activity on floor three. My husband reassured me that we'd be okay. We ate in the hotel restaurant the first night, but wasn't impressed and found that the so-called buffet was not appetizing with a lot of empty food containers. Poor. We had two incidents in the room of the glass containing our toothbrushes landing in the sink quite violently. Weird, but let it go, until the last morning at 1 a.m. when I was awoken by my hubby extremely nervous, pointing out that the kettle had suddenly come on. There was no way that the kettle was faulty, as it had all the safety stickers still attached. We couldn't wait to go home, although we will be returning to Hereford again just to somewhere more suitable, without Mr. or Mrs. Ghost for company. Such poor reviews, and to think, some people would pay extra to lodge with a poltergeist. My mother, father, and I were visiting my grandparents in Tennessee. At the time, two of my uncles and one of my aunts were living with my grandparents, as the house belonged to one of my uncles. I adored visiting my grandmother and was very fond of her. 
Two weeks into our annual visit, I saw an old man standing in the doorway, smiling at me. To this very day, I can remember every detail about him. He was a little bald, and his skin was gray. He had a beige shirt on with almost black pants. I remember turning around to continue playing with my dolls and turning back at least two or three times and seeing the man still there pulling faces at me. I laughed, as I didn't know much at the time, which puzzled my mother and grandfather. I remember turning around about the fourth time and the old man winking at me and gesturing me to come closer. I shook my head no, and he started to storm at me. I jumped up and ran into the lounge where I jumped over a couch and hit my head. I never saw him again, but I do wonder who he was and why he wanted me to come closer. I can assure you, this story is 100% true. This took place during March, during spring break. If you dislike any paranormal things, I suggest you don't continue. My name is Alexa. I'm a young teenager with average grades and an average life. It happened when I was in the middle of the sixth grade. During spring break, I was invited to stay at my friend's house for two nights. It was the day I was heading to her house. This was the first time that I'd visited her dad's house and only ever been to her mother's place before. After a long drive, I slipped off my headphones that were blaring some Kesha song. I got out of the car with a wide grin and scurried eagerly to meet Lauren's father. He was a nice guy. He looked normal, completely typical. It was only a matter of time before I was dragged off towards Lauren's room. She shared a room with her older sister, McKenna. We spent about three hours just chatting and lounging. I don't know how to describe it, but I would always get this odd vibe in that room. After a good movie marathon, we were all pretty tired. I climbed up into the top bunk of the bed to meet up with Lauren, whom was fumbling around with her iPod. It was only a few moments later, and I was out. I was asleep. I remember waking up with half-lidded eyes. My body was turned to face the entire room. I reached for my iPad, which was by my feet. I quickly eyed the clock before huffing. It was around 3.15 a.m. My eyes only barely glanced across the room until I came across the chair, which was oddly in the middle of the room. It was Lauren's desk chair. It spun, and I realized there was something seated in the chair. It was a pale-skinned girl. Her hair was long and white, and everything she wore was white. She just spun around in the chair. Having been half awake, I only assumed it was McKenna or Lauren. I easily fell back asleep without a second thought. When I woke up that morning, Lauren was found sleeping in the hallway with blankets wrapped tightly around her torso. McKenna was asleep in the bottom bunk. I wondered why the heck Lauren was in the hallway. When I asked her, all she said was that I was thrashing around in the top bunk, so she just let me be in case she would get a black eye. Then I mentioned the girl in the chair. She, of course, was very confused. I remember the look on her face that just screamed how creeped out she was. 
She denied that she was the one spinning in the desk chair. When McKenna awoke, we bombarded her with the same questions. Still, they were both denying. Desperate, we all scurried downstairs where sat Lauren's father and her little brother. We bombarded them with questions, even though we knew it was a girl spinning in the chair, not a male. To this day, I have no idea what I saw, but I can assure you it wasn't anything I know. I slept there a few more times and everything was normal, except one night. McKenna and Lauren had shifted their bunk bed to face a different direction as they had just received a new TV set. What I liked the most is that the desk wasn't in the line of sight if you were to wake up in the middle of the night. After watching some action movies, I'd fallen asleep. Once again, upon the top bunk. I awoke around the same time, facing the wall. I couldn't see anything around me from my position. I could hear slight bickering from the bottom bunk, fighting over space on the mattress. That's when I realized Lauren and McKenna were attempting to share the bottom bunk due to my thrashing. I was never a gentle sleeper. I guess Lauren had something to anger McKenna. That's what I felt, as if something was behind me. I reluctantly rolled over. Across the room, by the tall lamp and by the window, was something tall. It was tall and cloaked up. I couldn't see a face. I stared at it for what felt like an eternity, just eyeing it with a wide pair of shocked eyes. I quickly beckoned for Lauren to turn on the lights. I expected her to go towards the light switch by the entrance of the room. Instead, she had wandered towards the lamp. When a rising panic happened, my knees grew weak. I knew I was about to lose my best friend. That is, until the light flickered back on. Lauren turned to me with a confused expression. I simply ushered her off and thanked her before giving off a simple excuse. I made sure to explain the whole truth the next day. To this day, Lauren will joke and say I'm delusional. But now, I don't know what I saw. But everything is different. In all the time I have done paranormal investigation, I have experienced some of the strangest things. Some not so scary, and some would make the hair on my neck stand up. Quite a few stories I can tell you would totally freak you out, but one story in particular, well, let's just say would leave you wondering. We lived in an apartment for about three years and strange things would occur shadows moving in and out of the rooms, things going missing and turning up somewhere totally different. In this apartment, there was a basement. I wanted to put a little workshop down there as I worked with wood for a long time and wanted to have a wood shop. Now, I know some of you think basements are creepy. Well, they are. And I love having a basement still. I can do a lot of things in a basement. As time went on, I slowly bought equipment so I could start making things. My wife, who loved angels, often asked me to make her some. So I would, and when I showed her, she fell in love with them. My daughter, she loves anything dragon-related, 
She'd asked me to make her something out of wood, so one day I made her a 3D dragon drawing. I used four panes of glass, and with each, I would draw a little something on them. I then put the panes together and made a wood frame for it. She absolutely loved it. I made her a plaque for her doorway that read, In here there be dragons. She asked me to hang it up outside her door. I did, and I must say it did look good. Now, as I gathered more wood for my projects, I noticed little things happening. Wood would be moved around. I know how I set up my wood because I had shelves and a place on the workbench for it. The wood on the bench would be somewhere else on the workbench. I asked my wife and daughter if they'd been down in the basement messing around the bench. They both said no. I said okay and went on with what I was doing. I placed the wood back where it was and did some more work. The next morning, before work, I went down and saw there were six pieces of wood that were on the floor. I thought, okay, how did this happen? So I picked them up and put them back on the shelf. I went to work and came home after a 12-hour day. I asked how things were here today, and my wife said she heard something down in the basement. I said, what does it sound like? She said it sounded like some of your wood was falling off the shelf. I went down, and one of the shelves had fallen over. I have no idea how this happened. I know the shelves were strong enough to hold the wood, so I picked up all the wood and reset the shelf and put the wood back. The next day, which was a Saturday, my daughter was downstairs in the basement, changing her shirt. She had the shirt about halfway on when she heard someone or something say, Hello. She said she ran back upstairs and slammed the door shut. She yelled out, I hate that freaking basement! She told me what happened, and I said, What'd the voice sound like, male or female? She said, Female. I asked, Did it sound like an adult or a child? She said, It sounded like a child. This got me to wondering if there was a cause for all the things happening down there. So I thought I'd set up a voice recorder in hopes of catching a voice, maybe. So that evening, my daughter and I set up a voice recorder on the workbench. I set it to run for 10 hours, long enough to capture anything. I set the recorder that night. The next morning, I got up, made coffee, made my wife and daughter breakfast. I went down after to get the recorder. I went back up and sat the recorder on the table in the living room. Got myself a cup of coffee, sat down, my daughter sat with me after eating her breakfast and we both started listening to the recording. About 20 minutes in, we both heard wood being shuffled on the workbench. Then, after that, we heard wood being dropped on the floor. We were looking at one another like, what did we just hear? After we listened to the recording, I went down and saw wood scattered on the bench and floor. I called a friend of mine and told him what happened. He came over and he saw this too. He said, if you want to see who or what is doing this, take some talcum powder and spread it by the workbench and out to where the stairs are. That way you'll see who's doing it. So I did what he suggested and left the basement alone. The next day, I went down in hopes of seeing footprints in the powder, but nothing. So I left it alone, and the next day I went down to see. Again, nothing. Leaving it still, I checked the third day and found little footprints in the powder. These prints were smaller than my daughter's, so I knew it wasn't her. 
Anyway, if it was, she would have left a trail of powder leading upstairs. I told my wife and daughter what I found, my wife being the skeptic one, that's nice. My daughter, on the other hand, when I told her, she said, I believe it. Knowing what I knew and what was causing it, I left it alone. I felt this spirit was playing games with me and thought it was funny. About three months went by, and my friend bought some new equipment and asked if he could try it out at my house. Of course, I said yes, and so we set up all his stuff down in my basement, the place with the most activity. We set up, ran wires upstairs to the monitors, and had my daughter man the monitors. He and I went back down with voice recorders and started doing EVP, electronic voice phenomena. We did this for about two hours, asking all kinds of questions. He said he felt something brush against him. He looked, but nothing was there. We continued our session and then went back up. First, we listened to the recordings. Fifteen minutes in, we hear this voice plain as day. It sounded like a little girl's voice. The voice said clear as day, help me. We all looked at one another and chills ran down my spine. My daughter was freaked to no end. I called up to my wife to come down and listen. She did and she said something like, that's a Class A EVP. She wanted to listen to it again and she was elated that we caught something. So next, we watched the video. Nothing much happened until about 20 minutes in. I swear to you, this was amazing. We all watched as this light moved from behind the furnace, go along the wall, come out towards the camera. As it passed the camera, the video jumped. My mouth was wide open at this time. I said, play it back. We did, and you could see what looked like a head and shoulders moving towards the camera. I thought, wow, now that is something. My friend, who had never seen something like this, was mesmerized, still looking at the screen. To this day, I can still see the image and hear the voice saying, help me. My grandmother's house is an old-style Victorian house where there's one long hallway and all rooms are off the hallway. She's had this house since my father was about two years old. She and my grandfather lived about an hour or so away from us, so on school holidays I would go and visit them for a week at a time. I used to sleep in my father's old room, with the door open, and opposite the doorway, on the wall, was a long, clothes rack where my grandparents would put their coats, scarves, and hats, etc. Some nights, in the middle of the night, I would wake up to a tall man, about seven or eight foot tall, huge, scruffy beard, wearing a beanie and a huge, big jacket, standing at the very end of the bed. The bed faced the doorway out to the hallway. I would sort of describe him as a lumberjack fisherman type, I would scream and yell, and the man would slowly and calmly turn around and walk back down the hallway towards the front door. My grandmother would come in and ask what was the matter, and when I told her what I saw, she brushed it off as having a bad dream 
and that I was just seeing the coats hanging on the coat rack, not a man, and told me to go back to sleep. Mind you, I don't normally have dreams, and when I do, the things that happen in them come true, sort of like a premonition. This happened a few times over the years, and each time my grandmother would tell me the exact same thing, that it was just two coats or a bad dream. Fast forward to when I was 18 or 19. I would go and visit my grandmother for the day, and this particular day somehow we got chatting about the bad dreams I used to have about the lumberjack man in the night. My grandmother then says to me, Oh, you mean the ghost? I call him Frank. And I was like, what? She then explains to me that ever since they bought the house, this man has been in there and she sees him all the time. And if she wakes up in the middle of the night and he's at the end of her bed, she usually says hello and goes back to sleep. She said that he's very friendly and has never done any harm, so has never bothered to ask him to leave or anything. I had to ask her a few times to make sure she wasn't pulling my leg or anything, but she told me she never wanted to tell me when I was young because she thought I wouldn't be able to sleep there again. So when I go home that afternoon, I was sitting at the kitchen table with my mom talking to her about the conversation I'd had with my grandmother that day, and my dad walks in and overhears the conversation and says that he has seen the exact same ghost. Before I even described to mom what he looked like, dad described him exactly how I remembered him to look. He swore to me that he had seen him before and basically confirmed what my grandmother had told me. So, turns out this ghost has been roaming around my grandmother's place for a good 50 years but we don't know why or how he got there. He really is pretty harmless, though. This occurrence happened about one and a half years ago. This is not a scary story, but I want to tell it to you because it is my precious experience. It happened in my house. At that time, I'd been studying throughout the night. I went to bed about 5 a.m., and I dreamed. In the dream, I met a man. He was my relative. I was surprised because he had died about a half a year before. I talked with him and touched his arm. He touched my arm and squeezed it strongly but affectionately. Then I woke up. I knew that this occurrence wasn't only a dream because the mark of his hand where he had touched me was still vividly there on my arm. I knew that he still existed somewhere. I cried very much after that. A while ago, I worked in a department store in the downtown Sakai area of Nagoya, selling fresh juice to the customers. I met many kinds of people, some of them strange. I'd like to tell you about one elderly woman. She was about 80. However, her appearance was quite peculiar. The department store I worked at had many kinds of customers, but most of them 
looked elegant and rich. This lady, however, did not apply. She looked miserable and eccentric. She came to my store and seemed to be shopping for juice. I asked her which juice she would like to buy, but she kept speaking next to her. I thought she had come with company, but when I looked beside her, I soon realized there was no one there but her. I guess she was speaking next to her for about five minutes, which is a long time. Finally, she walked away, still talking to someone who was invisible. Maybe she and her unseen company couldn't come to a conclusion of which juice to buy. I told this story to my coworker. She told me that that old woman sometimes came into the store and she was always talking with someone you couldn't see. Once, when my coworker talked to the woman, she told her that she was always with her friend who was a Zashiki Warashi, which is a Japanese ghost that brings good luck. A Zashiki Warashi is a ghost that looks like a young child and inhabits your house. If you treat it kindly, it will bring good fortune to you and your household. The lady said her Zashiki Warashi was with her always, protecting her and bringing her good luck. A few months later, I saw her again in the store. That time, she also said something to her company, but I could see no one. I always felt there was something wrong with my first apartment from the moment I stepped through the front door. It wasn't that it was run down or derelict. It was actually a really nice apartment, painted brightly and was actually very conveniently near a shopping mall. I moved into the house in May 1985. At first, trivial things would happen. I had a big poster of Eddie Murphy fall on the wall in my bedroom several times. I heard some creaks and had a few unimportant things go missing around the house. One of the strangest incidents took place in the bedroom. I would play music at night after I'd finished school. At least once a week, my boombox would eat my tapes. I tried replacing the boombox. I'd buy brand new tapes, but they would always get chewed up. It didn't bother me much, though. I was single, living alone, and enjoying my independence. I just tried to ignore the negative vibe of the place. Getting a TV reception in that house was impossible, so I would spend much of my time listening to music, reading, and cramming for exams. I would normally stay up until 11 p.m. and then get some sleep. One night, I felt something tapping me. I ignored it. It kept tapping me. Awake and annoyed at this point, I sat up in bed. I saw a hand emerge out from under the bed and it tapped my leg. I looked under the bed expecting to see someone. Nothing. There was nothing under my bed. This is when things started to get strange. I stood up, turned the radio on, and went to get a glass of milk. I came back with my drink. The radio was turned off and a sheet on the bed shot up in the air. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even process what was happening. I tried to turn on the light. It wouldn't turn on. 
Then violent knocking came from the closet and bedroom doors. The boombox was pushed onto the floor. Posters came off the wall. My bookcase was pushed over. It was like something out of a movie. The whole room shook. I turned to leave when I felt something scratch my back. It felt like a claw. I was too hyped up to feel the pain, though. I ran down and out of that apartment. I wouldn't go inside again. I called my dad, who came over half asleep and went inside. When he came back out, he was white as a sheet. He didn't tell me what he saw. We hired a couple of guys to move my stuff out, and I moved back into my parents' place. Later, I learned that the house had been a drug den before it had been renovated for use by students. Apparently, the area had been one of the chief drug hangouts in the 1970s. I still wonder who, what, or why that place was haunted, but it goes to prove that a few cans of paint and some new doors does not change the feel of a house. That place needed to be knocked down, not renovated. This took place in the early 90s. I've been married to my husband for just over a year and we were going on vacation for the first time together. He had two children from a previous marriage and we were visiting my parents' vacation home in California. It was going to be our dream vacation. We had planned this trip down to the very last detail. My husband and I got plenty of sleep. Early that morning, Alan, my husband, came into the room and asked quietly if I was asleep. I had my head covered up. I told him that I was trying to. He leaned over onto the bed with his knee on it to give me a kiss. And when I uncovered my head, there was a face floating in front of his. An actual face floating in front of his own. The face or image was that of an old man with a beard smiling at me. I could faintly see the shape of my husband's head behind this floating face but it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. I screamed out of shock and covered my head up again. Alan turned the light on and I tried to find whatever I thought I'd seen. In the end, he thought I'd still been dreaming and convinced me to come out from under the covers. It was still there and it terrified the living hell out of me. The image finally left his face, but I felt uneasy about the whole trip. I wanted to delay it, but he wanted to go ahead. We got up and left for Florida about 4 a.m. It was almost as though the universe were working against us. We had problems at every step of the journey. The car would stall, roads would be closed, we even got stuck in the mud. Every opportunity to halt our journey was taken. At one point, we were stalled for over an hour. We replaced the battery and started off again. When we finally reached the California border, we were nine hours away from my parents' place. What did we get? We got more car trouble. We ended up stopping at a hotel. The next day, we had decided to go home. We turned the radio on in the car and heard that in the opposite direction on the same highway, there was a 50-car pileup just a few miles from us. If we had gone on, we would have been involved and may have died. Providence? Fate? 
what caused our trouble that day? I was only about seven when this happened, but it still gives me the creeps just thinking about it. When I was seven, my mother had a garden gnome in the garden out by the front side of the house. She called it Sylvester for some odd reason. When I was younger, before I had started school, that garden gnome had been my only friend. The day I started school and came home, the gnome wasn't in the garden anymore. I looked and looked for it until finally I gave up and went inside. After I went inside, I heard a loud thump like something had fallen from the roof and landed on the ground in front of my bedroom window. At first I thought it was just the cat, but I looked down to see that little gnome staring up at me. I never played with that garden gnome again. Even to this day, I am still deathly afraid of garden gnomes. Thanks for joining me for this archive episode of Weird Darkness. Do you have a dark tale to tell? You can share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And if you like the show, please share a link to this episode on all of your social media, tell your friends about the show, and please leave a rating and review – I might read your review here in the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Patrons get commercial-free versions of Weird Darkness and early access a month early to the Weird But True video series. Plus, patrons get exclusive content such as chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating into audiobooks as I record them. Learn more about becoming a patron at WeirdDarkness.com. Also on the site, you can get the free mobile app, follow me on social media, join the Weirdos online community, see where I'm going to be on location in the future, and on the page labeled Weird Web, you'll get stories I didn't use in the podcast, fan art, pictures that weirdos like you send in to me, a weekly zombie comic strip, that and a whole lot more at WeirdDarkness.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Again, thanks for joining me in this archive episode of Weird Darkness.